0: Hey everybody this is Harriet Kemmerich the host of Down to Earth. It's a show in which we talk about the issues that matter and today I want to talk about something that I think will bless you as much as it has blessed me and that is what's your prison? That's right we all live in some kind of prison. Prison here is not necessarily just the folks who are behind a prison wall as mandated by state or local officials or even by federal officials Based on whatever recriminations they have done. A prison here sometimes is a prison of our own choosing. And I want to show you how each of us, sometimes by the choices we make, place ourselves in a prison and then we're struggling to come out of it. So I'm going to show you how. Turn with me in your Bible. Go to Psalm 69 at verse 33. I'm going to read it to you and show you how we can change our minds. Listen to that. Psalm 69 verse 33. It says, the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his prisoners. That's right. You heard me say that. I'm reading from the New International Version. The New International Version says, the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people that is the assurance we have that whatever choices we made that confined us and pushed us in sometimes into a prison that we didn't even realize that the consequences of our choices would put us in God does not hurt you he does not hate you and he certainly is not going to let that captivity hold you in bondage it is very important for us to understand that because there are a lot of us who have done things. And as a result of the choices we made and the decisions we did, we find ourselves in situations and we're completely overwhelmed. And we think there's no hope and we think we can never get out of it. And even if you hear the message of salvation, that God loves you, you're not going to respond to it because you think I've done something so horrific and so horrendous. There's no way that God can find something good in you. So I want to tell you about my story. So years ago, I found myself in a similar situation. I lived in a self-imposed prison. What was that, Harriet, you might ask? Well, I married the wrong person. And consequently, as a result of marrying the wrong person, so I hit choice, right? So I married the wrong person. He told me he loved me, but love does not hurt. So why are you beating me up? Love is not abuse. The Bible says love is a good and perfect thing. It cometh from the Lord. So if love is perfect and good, why are you beating me up? So I lived with him, we were married, and I found myself in what I call a gilded cage. I had the most beautiful house with a swimming pool, (laughs) with a tennis court, I kid you not. I had people who waited on me, I had somebody who made my breakfast, even did my laundry. I had somebody who cleaned the pool, and somebody who even washed the car, so that when I stepped out of the house in the mornings, my car was ready and primed and turned on, and all I needed to do was to get in it and drive to work. I called it a gilded cage because within the walls of that were my prison. I was imprisoned by the choice I had made in marrying somebody who was abusive. And I was being beaten within an inch of my life. And I found myself locked up in this situation where I wasn't even free to think. I couldn't even make friends. I couldn't maintain friendships because to him, maintaining friendships meant what? That I would eventually be free. But I want to tell you that no matter how you find yourselves in this kind of situation, the word of God will always penetrate. And somehow, even through the interactions, the limited interactions I had with people around me, the word of God found his way in and God found a way to get the message to me that though this was a prison and though that I was captive, Jesus came to set the captive free. And as I was going on, there were people constantly, when I look back on it, I didn't realize how much God loved me. He kept sending people who kept telling me that I need to get out of it. He kept telling, sending people who told me how to get out of it, and that when you get out of it, how good it is going to be, how your life will change. Now, I told you the story. We lived in a big house. There was a swimming pool and a tennis court. I could not imagine that there could be life outside of that. I could not imagine that how good life could be. But you know what I found out? When I got out of that prison and I ran for my life, I ran straight to my mother's house in Detroit. She lived in a 900 square foot house. So it was me, her, my two children, and my sister. And the four of us, how much is that? That's five of us. We lived in this house. (laughs) In this nine hundred square foot, and I have never been happier, I found my purpose. I found that I could do the stuff that God called me to do Suddenly, I found my voice. You see what had happened was that imprisonment was a prison of my own choosing. Why I thought that love meant you had to be with someone who made you feel secure. I thought that love meant you had to have money and you had to live in in, in splendid circumstances. How many of you are out there living in those circumstances? How many of you have done stuff that have imprisoned you? See, I know what I'm talking about because I live in Detroit. And let me tell you one of the things I see. As I drive around and I look at people, I look at folks, I am looking at how much we are imprisoned by our choices. And I'm not saying this is common just to Detroiters. This is common to all of us because, frankly, had it not happened to me, it wouldn't have resonated. I would never have been able to identify it because there's something I know. If you don't identify your it, you can't conquer it. And if you can't identify, how are you going to conquer something you can't identify? So I had to identify the imprisonment, my mental imprisonment. See, I wasn't mandated by the state or the local government or the federal government to be in a prison. I ended up in a self-imposed prison. So I'm going to ask you this question again. How many of us? have found ourselves in prisons of our own choices. You know, sometimes I watch folks all the time. I watch people around me. And I watch how we continue to make decisions. Your parents tell you, don't hang out with that person. Your friends tell you, don't date that guy. Don't date that girl. And you still go and do it. And then you end up in a situation where you find yourself you can't get out. How many of us have picked up a blowpipe and taken a spliff and smoked something because somebody told us to do it? And yet when you find out at the end of it all, you become addicted. And know you can't get out of it. You're in a prison. How do you get out of this addiction? How many of us women have felt that we can't cope with life and oh my God, it's so bad and I can't cope and I can't this. And you go to the doctor, they write your prescription and give you a pill and that pill has now created your prison and now you can't cope with life you can't shake you can't turn everything in your life has now become subject and guess what's the worst part these choices we make it affects the people we love the most it affects our spouses our partners it affects our children and it affects the relationship around us that we have with the people we love whether they're parents their siblings their members of the community your friends so you become addicted how many of us when you started out in college You had a problem coping with all the stresses that you're undergoing in college and you start drinking and before you know it that becomes a lifeline the drink is now what it is that's a prison you want to know some of these let you want me to go further let me tell you about some what about sex that's a prison You find that you have to... You ever met people like that? They tell you they must have sex. Even when they get married, you must have sex. So they start having sex with different partners. It becomes destructive. Yes, it's destructive. Because you either end up with an STD or it destroys the primary relationship you have. And suddenly you find yourself in a prison. And nobody wants to talk about what? Sex addiction. Because they're like, "Mm, that doesn't exist. It does exist. Anything that overwhelms you, that you have an overwhelming compulsion for, is a form of prison. Some of us love money too much. I love money. I wish I had more money. Oh my goodness, because money answers problems. That's what the Bible says. But there is a way in which you make money. You see all these young ladies today, all these young people, they have no opportunity. The economic climate has compacted. I know people have doing things they don't want to do. Like OnlyFans, you end up being addicted to it because you keep telling yourself, I make so much money out of it that it's actually helping me pay my bills. Let me ask you something. When you went into it, did you buy a house? Did you pay down on a car? Did you put away a hundred grand? No, you didn't. Okay. So you're addicted now because now it's become an addiction. It got into you. How do you separate yourself? And you said, well, Harriet, you know, that's just being prudish, is it? Wait until you turn a certain age. Wait until one day the thought starts wrapping in your mind and you realize that a primary relationship or a relationship you have that you treasure cannot be maintained or it's interfered with as a result of your addiction. That's just one part. What about people? Just people who say, well, I grew up in the hood. My parents didn't have anything to give me, so I had to turn to trafficking and drugs to make a living for myself. That's prison. It is. I feel for you. Because you know what happens now? You end up giving away your freedom. No, you're not just in a prison of your mind, but you're sitting behind bars. And you're looking at yourself saying, how could I have avoided this? And then you come out. And when you come out, you say to yourself, oh my goodness, guess what? You can't can't do anything. You can't get a driver's license. You can't do anything. You can't get a job. So you're now bound by the prison. What was that? That was a choice you made. It's like folks tell me sometimes, years ago I was associated with a criminal justice group and they pointed out to me, the the, I I don't want to go there because it's it's a subject because right now we're in the midst of the George Floyd trial and it just brings up all the systemic racism issues that exist in our society. But when they began telling me about folks who were in the wrong place at the wrong time, and who went to the store and who were perhaps hungry and took a 99-cent slice of pizza that was not theirs and ended up serving time for the rest of their life, being imprisoned as a result of that. It's painful and hurtful. And yes, there are social justice and even political public policy initiatives that have now exist to remedy that. But guess what? You, the person in that you have to sit there and say as a result of my choice here i am i am saying to all of us jesus has come to set the captive free but i want to tell you about romans 12 romans 12 and 2 you know what it says be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind see we have to separate stuff it it's bad It happened. We made a choice as a result of the circumstances around us. We made a choice. And I completely get it. I've been there. You know, I told you the story about how I lived in this big house. I told you the story about how my mother literally came to Florida, came to Orlando, rented a U-Haul, and drove us to her house in, in Detroit, her 900 square foot house. You know what that is? That's a choice. I come to the place where my humanity prevailed. My humanity gave me a choice. It said, look, you're either going to sit here in this abuse and live in this house and be beaten up and it destroys you and your children, or you're going to run to grace and salvation. It was my choice. I looked around me one day and I'm in this house. And I kid you not, the master bedroom uh, closet, could hold a twin-sized bed. I literally had built an altar in there. I had comforters on the floor. My two girls would come in there with me. The ba- At the time, my youngest was my was a baby. And the, literally, I built an altar in there. I had the Bible in there. I was praying for deliverance. The deliverance came, but it didn't come the way I wanted it to. You know how I wanted the deliverance to come? I wanted the deliverance to come with Jesus or some guy coming riding in on a white horse to my emotional rescue or something. I wanted the deliverance to come where I just simply easelessly and seamlessly go from one lifestyle change to the other. It didn't come like that. Just like I put myself in that situation, I had to work my way out. It started with me agreeing in my mind that it wasn't going to work being in Orlando, that with two children and being an undocumented immigrant was not going to work. I needed support. I had to accept that. Then when I came to Detroit, I had to start all over. I had nothing now. All my adult life, I had my own home. Now suddenly I don't have that. I had to go start working at a McDonald's. Yes, I did. I started working at a McDonald's because I had to know what? Start all over again. I had spent years out of the workforce. I had no skills. I had to start at the bottom. You know what I told myself? My family thought they gave me three months. They thought I would not survive. They thought I wouldn't make it. They thought I would get up and turn around and go right back to the gilded cage, the prison that I was in. They said, there's no way she's going to like it. But I surprised everybody. I decided that if this is what I had to do to make sure I never lived in another prison again, then that's what I was going to do. And that's what I did. I worked my way out of it. I didn't just work physically, but I also worked my mind. I transformed myself. I read the Bible. I determine what was God's idea of me. What image did God create me in? If that image is better than the image that I had before, then I'm going to erase that. And I'm not going to live according to what my circumstances dictated. According to my circumstances, I was supposed to be jacked up. You know how that is. They tell you you don't come from anywhere, that you don't have anything. How was I supposed to publish three books and be on TV, on radio? Yes, I've done that too right? How was I supposed to, my podcast is on eight different platforms around the world. How was I supposed to do that with the background that I had? I let this word, the word of God, transform my life and I let it work within me. I'm not telling you something that I wouldn't do. I'm telling you what worked for me. What you're seeing now is the evidence and i'm just gonna level with you right now and be as transparent as possible this was not how i designed it me no this wasn't how i designed it i thought it was going to come the minute i walked out of the abuse no god would not get the glory and you know what else you would not believe it but you know what you're looking at right now why are you believing me right now i look like i don't look like the stuff that i came out of do i look like i walk through the fire Even my words, do you hear the pain in my voice? No. You know what happened? I transformed myself based on what God says about me. Ask the people around me. There have even been people who had to leave, whom I left, who left me. They left because they could not stand and could not understand why I talk to Jesus. Because I felt that Jesus was my lifeline. Look, you ever been fishing? and you throw a line to the fish And the fish got hooked. That's what happened to me. So there I am coming up out of the water. And the fish hooked me. And the fish is Jesus. And he used the word to reel me in. And he reeled me in. And just when I thought I had enough, he said, come and reason together. And he said, come and let us talk together. Let me show you the plans I have for you. Yes, it's all in the Bible. He said, come on, let me show you. And they're trying to tell me, it's not going to work. Your background says this. The statistics say that you're now a statistic. Oi, hey, let me tell you what happened. Remember, I told you about those two girls? One was a baby. Well, you know what the baby is now? The baby now is a freshman in college. And the oldest one, God bless my children, the oldest one is a lawyer today. They even took the money that was set aside to send them to college. They took it and left me bereft with nothing. But what did God say? He said, I will not hold you captive and I don't hate you. Yes, God hates the circumstances that have made us be imprisoned. But he doesn't hate you. The Bible says God hates the sin not the sinner. I wish more preachers would talk about that. I wish the preachers really would. The people who call themselves preachers were always pontificating and postulating and jumping up on the stage. I wish they would just tell you the real doggone truth, the real truth of the matter. You know what the truth of the matter is? God loves you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what choices you make. Yes, you picked up the crack pipe knowing it was going to be bad. And yes, it caused you to be imprisoned by crack and addiction and rendered You broke and rendered you in and out of prison and made your life hell, destroyed the relationship between you, your parents, your siblings, your children, even your friends left you. God hates the crack. He doesn't hate you. God hates that choice you made that set you down a path and now you're sitting there and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't even get out of this. And you're like, I can't get out. I don't know what to do. Let me help you I want you to call that number you see on the screen, one 800 We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray and believe God for you. You can also go to my website, harrykammack.com. Send me an email. I will answer you. Me, yes, me personally. I'm going to pray for you. And know that the walls of that prison, they must come down. They will come down. Because that's what God did for me. And I'm convicted by this. The Bible says in Romans, I am persuaded by this great gospel. I am persuaded because it worked for me. So you want to ask me how long it took? Well, therein is the victory. Because guess what? It didn't happen overnight. It was not an expeditious supernatural overnight thing. The deliverance was quick. But the process of renewing my mind, getting me out of the captivity, was a while. It was 2003. Today is 2021. That's what? 18 years in between. I don't know if it's going to take 18 years for you. I don't know if it's 18 days. I don't even know if you have 18 minutes. But I do know that you must take the first step. I do know you must step and you must ask God. So why don't I just pray with you right now? We're just going to pray right here, right now, right here, right now. We're just going to pray and believe God for you that the best is yet to come. Not some trumped up saying that this is what I know. For years when I was on radio, I was a single parent. It was me alone. I never got any of that stuff people get. I didn't know what child support was. I didn't get alimony despite being having been married for 13 years. He declared himself indigent so he wouldn't have to pay anything. I kid you not. I was on radio working and I was on radio and I used to tell folks for years, the best is yet to come. When I was saying that sometimes, I didn't even know how my next radio, because I was an independent broadcaster, I didn't even know how that was going to be paid. I only knew I had a little job and I was stretching it as far as I could to do everything I could to make a future for my children and to provide them with a safe space so that they would not experience what I experienced. And all I can tell you right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, in Jesus' name as we go to the throne, I pray for my friend who is watching. I pray that they will see that the walls of their prison can come down. I pray, O God, that you will meet them and intersect them. And according to your word, they are transformed. And let them hear the words of Psalm 69 and verse 33, that God does not despise his captive people. God does not despise his people who are imprisoned, not just by choices we made, but sometimes by things we have done, things we weren't even guilty of. And Father, just thank you today for grace that you set them free. In Jesus name, amen. I just want to tell you sometimes when I drive around and I just look at people and I realize that sometimes the poverty, the economic poverty and depravity that we live in is caused sometimes by the choices that we made. And people are living in regret that if I had not robbed that bank, if I had not held up that convenience store, if I had not become so angry, why was I so angry that I shot someone? I'm telling you, it happens. My ex-husband, at the end of it all, after the divorce. Are you hearing me? Four years after the divorce, he called me and apologized. You know what he said? Please forgive me. I don't know why I was so angry. Sometimes the very prison that has kept us, we don't even understand the root cause of all of it. We don't really get it. We just know we're constantly reacting, and all it does is push us further into our prison. Your wall, the prison walls, they don't have to be like the walls of the state penitentiary or, you know, the place where, you know, it happens. It could just be in your mind. You're imprisoned by negative thoughts, imprisoned by things that people said about you. People said you'd never get better, you'd never be this, you'd never do that. And you're imprisoned by it. It's like a broken record that keeps playing. Someday I'm going to talk to you about that. But here right now, I break that in the name of Jesus. And command that you will never spend another day thinking like that. Your miracle is coming. And I'm just here to set my faith in agreement with yours that if you believe in the words I have just spoken to you about what God says, you can read it for yourself. Go to Psalm 69, read the entire chapter and you definitely, can I just help you if this is your first time hearing about the Bible? Go to the book of John. But if you've ever heard the words I've said, I find that the book of Romans is a book that will convict you. It will show you how much God loves you. Romans chapter 12, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transform your mind. Transform what they said about you. They also told me it wouldn't be done. (laughs) They told me that you, a single mother with two children, who are you? You don't have influence. You don't have affluence. How are you going to get anybody to do anything? My friends, go to my website. You will find that I've been doing this for a while. You will find that I also did it according to what the word said. It took a while. I didn't compromise. There were temptations. It, it costs something, but I stuck to it because I wanted to be able to say at the end of it that God did it. And I wanted to be able to live with myself and to tell, I was more convicted about telling others. How am I going to tell you how to do it if I didn't do it that way? How am I going to come and tell you how to be delivered by the renewing of your mind if I hadn't lived it? How could I tell you how to get out of that prison that you're in? So today, whether you're prison, is drugs. I got to go. They're wrapping me up. <laughs> Whether you're prison, is drugs, alcohol, or sex. Know that those walls can come down. But the first step is the most important one. You choose. Choose that this will no longer bind me up. This will no longer keep me in bondage. This will no longer have dramatic hold over my life. And the minute you choose that, here's what's going to happen. Thank you so much. Be blessed.